I'm happy to report that my suit, uh, I told Kevin and uh, Cindy that my suit still uh, fit me uh, this morning after Thanksgiving. <laughs> I think I've ever ached so much in my life or so many times. And it helps you think about just how blessed you are and what a fine country we live in. And we just go to the grocery store and, and get whatever we want warm and served pudding for 99 cents. I could eat two or three boxes of that a day. So I took full advantage of that. It's simple, but I, I love it. I hope that all of you had a, a great holiday and still are enjoying the holiday weekend. And I'm thankful to be back with you. I missed you last week. I was down in London for both services at uh, Mount Zion. And I'm happy to tell you that things are going well. At Mount Zion, there was a good attendance, and uh, Brother and Sister Brown were there, and everything is very good. So <clears throat> I'm happy to share that with you. And then I want to uh, commend a few individuals, as always, Brother Shelby and Brother Jameson and Brother Daniel and every one of you. Everybody does such a fantastic job with the song leading and Scripture reading and the prayer and the... Communion, meditation, those thoughts were superb, just superb. And with the visuals that we enjoy and how everything flows so perfectly. You know, Brother Webster shared with us about starting on time and having individuals that are enthusiastic about the work that's being done and having a seriousness about you in the worship of the Lord. And you can see that playing out every first day of the week and on Wednesday nights here at the Stanford Church of Christ. So allow me to commend all of you and to say thank you for the work that you do. Let's remember to pray for one another this day and each day this week. Let's remember those that are sick and afflicted, those that have difficult decisions lying ahead of them, those that have uncertainties in their lives and our number and those in the community that we know about. Let's take time each day to remember those needs. For those individuals will appreciate that, there is no doubt. And that's the finest thing you could do for them is to pray on their behalf and make a phone call, send a card, let them know that you are concerned about them. Thank you for your kindness to me. Thank you for the cards that you send my way. And thank you for allowing me to stand before you again this morning. And I didn't get to tell you, but I want to. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well. If you have your Bible, would you open with me please to we took our Scripture reading from James chapter 4. I really enjoy, if I ever have an opportunity to preach from the book of James, I'll take it. I enjoy the book of James. The underlying theme is have faith and live according to it. The underlying theme is don't just say it, do it, right? Don't look in the mirror and walk away and forget what you saw. It was pointless to look in the mirror, right? And that's the example we see from the book of James. Don't just be a hearer of the Word, but be a doer of the Word. If something's important to you, you'll listen to it and you'll take it in, but there's no doubt that you will do it. If it has meaning in your life, if it takes a position of authority, you will see that it's done. It's the theme of James. As a preacher, as a minister, as a Christian, as a friend, I enjoy 
sharing these tennis with you. Have faith and realize that faith is a verb. It takes action. It takes doing. You exemplify it to others. James chapter 4. Please, Scripture reading. But I want to start a little bit earlier than where our our Scripture reading started. I I want to start in verse 10 of James chapter 4. We'll go through the remainder of the chapter this morning, please. And Lord's will, that's the theme of our sermon, if the Lord wills. That's what I would like to entitle this sermon. If the Lord wills. If we can accept that in our lives, we have wisdom. Do you realize that? You possess fine, fine wisdom. If you choose to accept the statement, if the Lord wills. We will do this or that if the Lord allows it. He's master, and I am not. You can boil that down to that statement. He's Lord, and I am servant. He is master. He's my focal point. He's my example. I'm striving to mold my life to be most like Him. That boils it down, doesn't it? If the Lord wills. Notice verse 10. James chapter 4. Be humble. Possess humility. Humble yourselves in the sight, in His view, and He'll lift you up. You don't have to do it for yourself. You don't have to go around always giving credit to self. If you'll be humble, the Lord will do it for you. If you're humble, you apply the golden rule, you treat individuals the way you would like them to treat you, well, that's right. And the Lord is pleased. If you're willing to deflect credit and give it to heaven, the Lord will lift you up. You don't have to worry about that. After all, it's not about me. It's about exemplifying Christ. It's about pointing others. If I can say something or do something or give assistance to someone else that would enable them to see Christ in me and see something different from what the world has to offer. And remember that Satan is the prince of the air. He's the prince of this world. We do that by humbling ourselves in the sight of the Lord. Being willing to serve Him. Speak not evil of one another. One another means three or more. Each other's two or less. So we know we're talking about a group, an assembly of individuals here from the right. Don't talk bad. 
about your brothers and sisters in Christ. Strive not to talk bad about anyone. Instead, choose to say something constructive and encouraging. Brethren, don't speak evil of one another. You see, I'm a sinner. I make all kinds of mistakes. And it won't be hard for you to speak evil of me if you wanted to. Because I'm just a man. Fallible. And thankful for the grace of God. Find something good to say. The world knocks you down and hurts you and puts you down. Brothers and sisters in Christ should lift one another up. That's one way of exemplifying humility. Is getting outside of ourselves and finding something good to say about someone else. Instead of always looking to give credit to ourselves. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. I'm not prepared to do that. And it doesn't matter which law we're talking about. I want you to realize that. If we're talking about the Mosaic law, I couldn't keep it. No man could. It required a Messiah, a deliverer. One to fulfill it because I couldn't. So how could I look down my nose at someone else when I can't meet the criteria either? Right? And if we're talking about the new covenant, what Paul referred to as Christ's law, what James refers to as the perfect law of liberty, am I deserving? Did God owe me a new covenant? Was I deserving of His Son leaving heaven and coming the flesh and sacrificing on my behalf? No, absolutely not. That's grace by faith. And I'm right in the sight of God because I humbled myself. I wanted to be pleasing to the Lord. I put my faith and trust in His grace. I didn't earn anything. God was mindful of me. Chose to elevate me and did the same for you. Gives us all the same spiritual opportunities because we're all equal in His sight. How can I look down on my brother? How can I judge my sister? Need to be an encouragement instead. Need to let the Bible speak. If there's any judgment, it's from God and His expressed will. And if someone's not meeting that, should I beat them down further to drive them further away? Or should I put my arm around them and say, I've been there. I'm not perfect either. Let me help you get back to where you need to be in the sight of the Lord. After all, it could be me next month that needs someone to put their arm around me and help me be back where I need to be. Does that make sense? That's what the Bible's teaching. But if you judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. You're setting yourself up on high. 
I'm not high. Christ is. I do not have all authority both in heaven and on earth. Christ does. I do not have preeminence in all things. Christ does. And if we're going to esteem anyone and lift anyone up, the Lord. Point individuals, preach and proclaim Jesus and Him crucified. That's the saving message. Verse 12 of James chapter 4 says, There is but one, that's specific, lawgiver who is able to do two things, save and to destroy. When this life is over, and we stand before the judgment bench, the judgment seat of Christ, there's one of two eternal abodes. Heaven for the righteous and hell from the ungodly. He has the authority to save or to destroy. In view of that, understanding that, what does the last part of verse 12 say? Who are you, who are thou, that judges another. I am not qualified, affirmed, or ordained to sit in the judgment seat. God has ordained only one lawgiver, His Son. And only He has that role. And quite frankly, I'm appreciative and thankful that I don't have that role. How about you? But you see, Christ is perfect. His judgments are righteous and fair. And therefore, He is qualified to possess such a role. I'm not sinner saved by grace. Do you see the difference? There's only one lawgiver. And with that understanding, I need to realize how to properly treat my brothers and sisters in Christ. Verse 13, go to now. So in other words, focus in now. You that say. Now first and foremost, these individuals have a plan. We can commend them for that. They have a purpose. They're thinking about going to do something. That's respectable. Today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city. They have action. These individuals have planned. They're thinking ahead. Got a job before them. They want to turn a profit as we're going to see. These are all things that we can recognize and respect that we've done ourselves. I've thought about that. I'd like to have a job. I want to go into town. I want to put my resume in. Maybe ask to speak with a man or woman that's in charge of that company. Express my interest. Yes. And I'll do that first thing in the morning. Why do I do that? I want to support a livelihood, correct? Got a family to take care of. 
maybe it's a better position than what I currently hold. Is that wrong? Is there anything wrong with bettering one's lot in life? Absolutely not. Those are all great, respectable things. So we'll go into such a city and continue there. They've planned ahead as well. I'm going to stay a year. I'm going to buy and sell. I'm going to do business. Folks are in business. Go buy a car sometime at any dealership in the state of Kentucky and surrounding states and you'll find out they're there to make money. Right? You've bought a car. You smile. I've seen that. Go get your car serviced sometime. And you'll find out that they're there not for charity, but to make money. Right? You've got this wrong. We found this. They'll look it over. They'll bring you the filter. It's got a little dirt right here. You need a new one, $24.95. We'll put it in. Say, so put that filter back in. Blow it. Put it back in. It'll be fine. I'll see you in $3,000. Okay? I'm trying to keep money. Right? Now, that's normal. Is the Bible relatable? Isn't it? We can relate to the Bible. All these years later, folks are telling you on the radio and television that the Bible is an antique. You need to put it up on the shelf. It's not current. Baloney. can all relate to the Scriptures. Still speaking today, nothing is new under the sun. Folks are still trying to buy, sell, and make a profit. Same intention. That's what these individuals were doing. So what's the answer? Whereas, verse 14, you do not know what shall be on the morrow. I'm going to continue a year, but you don't know what the next day holds. For what is your life? Or is it even a vapor? That appeareth for a small time, a little time, and then it's gone. It vanisheth away. That word vanish is used elsewhere in the Bible to talk about the Mosaic Law. Are you familiar? It says it was waxing old and soon it will vanish away. Gone. That's your life. I'm making grand plans for next year. Tomorrow hasn't unfolded yet. And I have no promise of tomorrow even. As a matter of fact, as we say down home, if you want to get right down to brass tacks, I have no promise of the next hour. It's why the Bible says if you have a decision to make, this is the acceptable hour. Hour. I can't put it off. I can't put all my confidence and my money-making abilities and occupational skills for next year. I may not see next year. We have acceptable risk every day. We drive every day. We get out on the road and things happen. It may not be me. It may be someone else who made a poor decision earlier and got in their vehicle and met me head on at 65, 70 miles an hour. I was just driving down the road that day. It happens. 
it breaks our heart. We read about a newspaper and we weep. It breaks our heart. But it still happens, yes? What should I place my confidence in? Money? Skills? Plans? There's nothing wrong with those things within themselves. But my confidence should be in the will of God. So you get the conclusion, right? Let's go back. Verse 15, James chapter 4. For that you ought to say. The Bible corrects us. You made plans, that's good. You're thinking ahead to next year, that's fine. You want to work and have a job and make money and do well for your family and yourself. Overwhelmingly good. But have you lost sight that in every decision you make, all your thought processes, have you made them subject? You place them into subjection to the will of God. Lord, if you allow it, I would like to participate in this activity. Lord, if you approve, please bless me as I go about the endeavors and the labors and the activities of my day, my month, and my life. If the Lord wills, we will do this and we will do that. After all, He is still in control. Oh, I think I'm in control. I've got my planner. I've got it broken down hour by hour. I've got meetings. You can look on my computer right now at work and I've got meetings scheduled two months from now that I couldn't tell you what it's about. They just put it on there and said, you be here at this time. I'm structured. I went to a job interview one time. It's the first thing they asked me. Are you a structured person? Or do you just kind of fly by the seat of your pants? They didn't want me to say the last one. Now whether that's true or not, I knew what to say, right? I'm very structured. I'm like J.G. Wentworth. I get my structures. I've got it structured. Forgive me. Folks like that. Oh, you're, you're, you're a person of order. Yes, I, I don't do. I have my week structured before. I have my lesson plans made a month in advance. I know what I'm preaching about next week now. See, all that's good. Will I see next week? Is my confidence in my work? I love work. And if I'm not working, I feel like I'm not contributing. That's me. Most important, above work, above leisure, above skill, above education, they say about education that it's the most important thing in the world because no one can take it from you. How about your faith? Now there's an education that no one can take from you, but that education will lead you to heaven. That education will qualify you not just for a paycheck or a pension, but for an eternity. 
See, I'm planning for a pension as well, but I realize that when I get to a certain age, if I can draw that pension for 30 years and live comfortably, it's done its job. But even my pension has a stopping point. When I close my eyes in death, it will stop, right? How about my biblical education? Now that pension continues forever. What does the Bible say about the Word of God? Well, it endureth not just for a season, but for an eternity. But now ye rejoice in your boasting. Look what I can do. Look what I have done. Look what these hands have provided. That's evil. Thank you, Lord, for what I've been able to to do. Thank you, Lord, for the skills you've allowed me to obtain. And I pray that I've used them in such a way that's pleasing in my sight. That gives credit to God instead of giving credit to self. And remember this. Therefore, everything that's been said up to this point, therefore, here it is, if you know to do good to Him that knoweth to do good and you do it not, if you know, you say, I'm not going to, I'm not willing, it's not important to me, or the classic answer, I'll get to that later. <clears throat> How many folks have told you when you've shared the Gospel, I will obey the Gospel when it's more convenient? That sounds biblical. Is that not what, oh, was it King Agrippa that said the very thing? You sound good. I'll call for you at a more convenient season for me. I'm busy now. You see, we know what to do. And we choose not to. What's the Bible say? I have become sin. Unto us, it's, it's lying right there in wait for you not to be willing. Get in tune, please, to the best of your ability, and I'm talking to myself as well, 100%. Tune in if the Lord wills. Because after all, it all comes back to His will anyway. We move, we have animation, and our life of motion is at the pleasure of God's will. And as we realize that, we read our Bibles, it's a joy. We pray without ceasing according to His will because we trust that He knows best. We're kind to those around us, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. We prefer one another. It's the family of God. Going to spend eternity together with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord's will, we have preference for our Christian brethren. We're faithful to the services. It's a blessing to come out of the world in that busy schedule and to sit down and to worship and to be re-energized and encouraged. You're not going to get that at the workplace like you will the service of worship, brothers and sisters in Christ, toward God who gave His Son 
to make all these blessings possible. If the Lord wills, we will do this and that. If you are present this morning and you've not obeyed the Gospel, God has provided you yet another opportunity in His long-suffering nature. Won't you respond to Him by faith? Won't you accept His Word and allow us to assist you in that response? Believe in Christ Jesus. Place your complete faith and trust in what the Bible says about Him. Turn away from your sins through repentance. Confess your faith in Jesus Christ as the Son of the living God before this assembly. And allow someone to bury you in the watery grave of baptism for the remission, the forgiveness of your past sins. That by the grace of God you may rise out of that watery grave born again of both water and spirit risen to walk anew in a newness of life and it gets better. God has added you through your obedience to His Word. That's grace. He extended it and you respond by faith. He will add you to His church and you will be equipped to live that faithful life and hopefully bring someone else into the fold as well. If you have a decision to make, please do not care. Respond now before it's everlasting too late. While we stand together, and as the brother comes to lead us in the hymn of invitation. If I walk in the pathway of duty, if I work,